They are new every morning, new also this morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Great is your faithfulness. Unto you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Unto you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. I will call upon the Lord, for you are worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. I now call upon you, Lord, for you are worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The Lord lives, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord lives, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. You're my rock. You're my fortress, you're my deliverer, in you do I trust. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. For your name is higher than any other, your name is Jesus, your name is Lord, your name is higher than any other, your name is Jesus, your name is Lord. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, Glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, Blessed Redeemer, Living Word. Good morning. Selamat pagi. Fellow redeemed sinners and saints in our Lord Jesus Christ, you have no idea how good it is to be here.
It wasn't planned. We could no longer get access to our funds. Our ATM card in Indonesia was denied, rejected after, well, about six months ago or more. And we still had many bills to pay on the renovation of our house and complex. And uh, make a long story short, it wasn't able to be restored or, or changed or improved upon from that end. I had to come home. The bank, he needed to see me face to face. Phone, email, none of that would work. So Ross has to stay home to protect the fort. <laughs> but we couldn't afford both of us flying. So here I am. Three weeks here, three Sundays here, one Sunday in the Netherlands and back to Indonesia. One month gone. The longest Ross and I have ever been apart. And I used to drive ambulances as a tent-making job up north. I was sometimes gone for five to seven days, but never a month. I miss her like crazy. I'm sharing with you the life I live. One missionary's life. And I'm doing that through the scripture of as found in Galatians 2.20. Will you open your Bibles to that, please? Galatians 2.20. Now, my name is Herman Frederick White, but in Bali I'm called Katut. I'm the fourth child of my parents. The first one is called Wayan, second Komang, the third one Made, and the fourth is Katut. But so is the eighth. So I, Katut, am married to Ross Katut. Two Katuts, that's Katut Incorporated. Look at that scripture, will you? I, Katut, Herman, have been. I was born during the Second World War. Seven boys, one died. Immigrated in 56 to the United States of America, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Went to Calvin College and Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Had my first church there, an all-black church. 800 people were in my youth church. I served them for four years. God called me to serve other churches. Christian Reformed, United Methodist, Presbyterian, Independent, whatever God called, I sought to obey. Last Sunday, Ross and I celebrated 55 years of God's goodness and grace, love and faithfulness in ministry with and for Him. I'm 76, and Ross is 68. And for the world, we are happens. But for God, we're just beginning. Praise His name that even at this old age, and as finite as we and I am, He's willing to still use us. I have been crucified. Now that's past tense. And it has happened in the past. But it's ongoing. This morning again, as I took my quiet time, I again went to Father and I says, Lord, here I am. I place myself on your potter's wheel. Bob this morning was talking about that we are in progress, a work in progress. God is not done with us yet. Praise His name. And that we may place ourselves. We have a choice in that, you know. I don't have to lay myself on the potter's wheel. But I want to because I need to. I need him so much. I'm standing here excited and thankful, but I'm also trembling. I'm still living in this body. I have been crucified with Christ, not with Muhammad. 
Not with some Hindu god or a Buddhist god or any other god that man can fabricate. I have been crucified with Jesus Christ, the man of Nazareth, the son of the living God, the one who lives and reigns and is returning, I believe, in my lifetime. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live and yet I stand here in front of you. But Christ, but Christ, when you see that in the scriptures, people underscore it, highlight it. Every time you see, but Christ or but God, that's the key to redeeming grace. But Christ lives. He's not dead. He lives. He conquered the grave. The song said, we just sung. And he lives in me. And that's good news. And I believe he lives in you. That's the last time you shared that. He left us a great commission. And he is the head of the body. And we are the body of Christ. And the body happens to have two legs. One that stays home, James in Jerusalem, the church in Antioch. And the other leg, Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Luke and the band of missionaries went out all over the world of that time. But they needed each other. Ross and I cannot function without you. And by the way, you may be surprised, you cannot really function without us. We need each other. Let us make that work together. I thank the words that were spoken earlier. The life I live, that's the theme of the message this morning. I'm sort of opening up my quiet room window and let you look in what happens on a typical day in my and our life. We wake up. Yes, we go to the bathroom, but we take a quiet time. Ross has her chair. I have mine now. We didn't have any chairs for quite a while. We now each have a chair. And we take a quiet time alone and then we come together. The life I live, I'm, that's why I sang the songs. That's the first thing I seek to do every morning is to worship my God, to enter into His presence, and worshiping and singing and praising Him lifts my spirit away from this flesh, away from me and all of that, and to be able to focus upon Him, because I can't do without Him. The life I live in the body, this body is still here. Sometimes I wish I could turn it in, you know. (laughs) But I'm looking forward to the day that I can be zapped. I will have a body like Christ. You can lock the door, and I can be in the midst of you. Hey, hey! Looking forward to that. It's enough of a kid in me, boy, I tell you. The life I live in the body, this body, I live by faith. That's trusting and obeying. That's the definition I receive from God's Word on faith. Faith, I live by faith, by trusting Him, and by obeying. You can't have one without the other. And as I live by faith in the Son of God... And according to the original, of the Son of God. Both are possible there. Now, there's a difference in that. Faith in the Son of God is that I place my faith in Him. I trust and obedience unto Him, right? But also, I live by faith of the Son of God, since He's now living in me. Then if I let Him, His faith, what did it accomplish? Calvary's cross? Redemption for mankind? A resurrected life. Someone seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. 
and who is eager, sitting at the edge of his throne. Daddy, is it time today? My bride, I can't wait to bring her to me, to you. Read John 17, verse 24. Father, may they be where I am. And in John 14, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. <laughs> There's a place. We're preparing a place in Bali, Bali Christian Retreat Center. We're almost done. Renovations aren't completed yet. I live by faith in and of the Son of God who loved me. I don't know why and how. I don't know how he can. Many times I can't love myself. But he loved me and he gave, he proved that love and he gave himself for me and for you. And that's the scripture. Now I want to show you how that is lived out in this man's life and my wife as well in our time in Indonesia. And I'm doing that by sharing with you something very personal that I received from the Lord in the turning of 2015 to 16, and that still continues to carry me. I call it my maturing motto. Every year as the years change, Ross and I take time alone and together, sometimes hours, sometimes a day, sometimes days or even a couple of weeks. I've been doing this for decades and decades and decades. And we spend time alone with God. And to seek His will about what's gone by. Is there anything we need to carry from the past year into the new? And what God do you have in this new year for us to do? Now we do this every day, every week. But we do it on an annual basis also. And I really wait on God. I don't leave that time and space, even though I have other activities to do. I keep focusing that until I hear from Father. Until I hear from my Lord. And I write it down. And this is what he gave me that time. And I'm still living with it. Now this is personal because it reflects who I am. I'm going to share with you hopefully later a few little <laughs> conflicts that we had to work through and continue to work through. But these are the things that help. Number one, listen and observe. Now if you're in your own culture, in your own language, my forte is my mouth, not my ears. I do much more talking than listening. But I'm called by God to listen. I have two ears and only one mouth. So if nothing else, let me listen twice as much as I speak. <laughs> Not easy for this man. But I'm in another culture and another language. And that does help. It humbles me. And so first of all, when I meet people and relate it to other people, I seek to listen. I choose to listen and observe first. Instead of jumping in there with my opinion and my idea or my criticism or whatever. Secondly, encourage and bless. If anything comes from this mouth, initially, let it be encouragement. Let it be a blessing. Remember Bob's words and teachings on blessing one another? Speaking blessing into the spiritual realm, into the physical realm? It's powerful. Powerful. God spoke and there was. God lives in us and we speak and there is. Encourage and bless. Thirdly, pray and wait on God. Pray and wait on God. Keep that communication open between Him and yourself. Pray and wait on Him. Don't just pray, okay, you go through the routine prayer, now I lay me down to sleep and act a lot, and then you go to sleep. Now wait. Wait a little longer. And let Him speak. Learn to listen and hear the voice of God. 
He is more eager to speak with you and to you than what you are eager to receive. Always. Pray and wait on God. Fourth, expect and extend the same mercy and grace, the same love and patience, very much important for this man, mercy and grace, love and patience to others, even as I have received from him, from God in Jesus Christ. Expect it. Extend it. The same mercy and grace, the same love and patience to others, even as God has shown me in Christ Jesus. And then fifth, full hand, five fingers, hand of blessing, through it all, and you know this one, I'm sure, through it all, always keep on thanking and keep on praising God. So many times, Ross and I are confronted with issues or people or spiritual things in the spirit realm that we are just too much overwhelming, too negative or too powerful, and we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. These are some of the things that we apply all of those five to, and these are five areas that I'm going to share with you. In real life experiences of learning to live and represent Jesus Christ, whose I am and whom I serve, among the Hindu and Muslim people of Bali, Indonesia. We are living now a little bit north of the city of Gianyar, which is north of the capital city of the province Bali, a little island east of Java. Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world. It is the largest island country in the world. From Aceh in the west to Irianjaya, Papua now in the east is the same as L.A., to New York or Washington. The same as London to Moscow. The same as Perth to Adelaide. Same length. China, India, USA, Indonesia, the fourth most populated country in the world. And Bali is the center of Hinduism in Indonesia. It's not the same Hinduism as you find in India. It's quite different. Animism and lots of other things have influenced it. But it's the center in Bali. And we're living in Gyanya. There is still the palace of the last king. And the servants of the last king were the parents of the man of who we are renting our complex. His parents died. He was the youngest of many children. And so his brothers and sisters, whatever, put him into an orphanage. And it happened to be a Christian orphanage. God knows, right? He became a Christian, left the Hindu religion, was denied and rejected by his family for a long time. He totally committed his life to Jesus Christ. He struggled. He would teach in the day and at night he'd be, a, be an undercover taxi motorcycle driver. In the day he was a teacher in front of a class and in the night he'd be washing dishes or something else. Very humble. He's a humble, quiet man. He is now a multi-millionaire. Owns resorts and hotels across the land. Owns hospitals and universities and schools. Farms and villas. Almost two years it took us. Over a hundred places we looked at. And God led us to that resort of His. He had offered us two hotels. It was in the city where it's noisy and touristy. We want a retreat center away from all of that. 
Jesus says, come with me to a solitary place. Not a busy place. There's where life is all the time. But come aside so you can go back and minister for me there. And so when we came and he showed us that place, God confirmed many times, and he still is. When I went there first, in the first time in 83, before I even met Ross and got married, God laid on my heart to start orphanages. And I just want to share this with you, how God is working, okay? We are now, at this very moment, at the point of having 35 orphanages in Indonesia. It started from one on Nias in 1983, when I first went in those first 10 years. They have multiplied. Some are still under our wings, some are under YWAM, some are under their own organizations, and Yaisans, as they call it in Indonesia. Thank God. The work is growing. The home churches we started in Bandung, capital of West Java, are continuing to grow. Well over a hundred. God used us here. After my father's death, we took care of mom for five years. We planted churches in Wisconsin, Indiana, and then also here. We planted five house churches here. Did you know that in the years we were here? One group went and joined different churches. Four, as far as I know, are still operating. And then God called us back to Bali. And that's where we are now. And we're awestruck that at this age, God would use us still. I'm not one just to travel and see things. I'm sorry for those that like to play golf. Go for it. I never learned how to play the thing. It was too expensive when I was in high school. I played tennis. Tennis ball and tennis racket and tennis shoes. I mean, that's not too costly. But a golf club and all that junk and the membership of the golf course. Ah. I came out of a poor immigrant family. But praise God, I don't really want to be in that. My brothers think I'm crazy. Still are not too sure about our sanity that we are there at this age and going through what we're going through. But I thank God. And all, in spite of all the suffering, all the opposition, and all the negative stuff that we truly have experienced, we are rejoicing in God. His hand is upon us, and we see the hand of His Spirit operating and using these weak Imperfect vessels. Lives are being transformed. I have three classes of people who are new converts from Islam and Hindu. I met a young lady. She's not so young. Middle age. But in my age, everybody is young. Her name is Tista. She's in fire. She's like a St. Paul. Every day she calls me. She's got more people to bring. I say, oh, 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 oh. I can't go that fast. You know. So they're coming bit by bit. And we're discipling them. We're leading people to the Lord too, but that's not our primary calling. In our retreat center, we want to disciple people and minister to people's hearts and needs, relationships. So the things in the middle of that Hindu, Islam is coming in, by the way. They have conquered about, oh, one-third, two-fifths. That almost half of the island is on the Indonesian, on the Islam power now. The Hindu is strong. We don't know what's going to happen. I hope it stays that way. But we have open doors to minister. You might think that some of the following things are the things that cause us pain or suffering. Climate? No, it's okay. I like it much better than here. Sorry. I'm cold. Last night again in bed. I don't know how those people do it. Man, I pulled the blankets over and then I'm sweating and then I'm cold. I don't quite know how to do and cope with all this anymore. Ross is the opposite. I put the blankets on and she takes them off, you know. But that's all right. 
We keep each other company. It is not language. I speak and preach and teach in the language, but they have 875 distinct, unique languages, and even the Balinese have a whole series of distinct languages. That if you really want to know the mother tongue, it's a whole other ballpark. But I'm happy enough to be able to communicate on the national language of Indonesian. And that's what I do when I preach and teach and converse with people. It's not perfect. I make many mistakes. Ross corrects me all the time. It, but it's not climate. It's not language. It's not food. I'm doing okay. Six and a half months. All right. She's a good cook. It's not food. I love it. And it's not nature. Even though Mount Agung is ready to explode, about two months ago they took all the people, thousands of people from that mountain, because in 63, over 40,000 people were killed because of the volcanic mountain there. It's smoking. You can see it where we are. The smoke is puffing up above the clouds. But there's no major, they expect it, that it will explode and again do great damage. But it's not nature. I love nature. I love the mountains. I like the rice fields. I like the birds. I like the flowers. I like the palm trees. No, it's this following five things that have been stumbling blocks for Rasami. Number one, culture, as they call it, Adat, culture, together with religion that they call Agama. Islam is very aggressive, very aggressive. Hindu is very subtle, but very powerful, a dominant force in Bali and where we are. We are right just kilometers away from the palace of the last king. There's Puras. Hindu temples all around us. And you hear them chant and you ha- see them. Every day there's a wedding or a funeral or some sacrifice or some offering. They're all by their doorways and their driveways, whatever they have. They have these little plates of sacrifice, you know, offerings that they make to the gods. The spirit of Hinduism keeps its people in bondage. There's no freedom. And here this Tista came out of that and she's on fire for the Lord because she's free. And she's bringing all these new converts to Rasami. Praise God. Okay. Culture and Adat, yeah, how do I explain that a little bit? Um, in 1983, when I did my research on Nia's North Sumatra, I wrote a book about that as used by YWAM as a teaching manual in their leadership training school. Uh, in that book, I wrote about one thing there, community improvement. Uh, most villages are, there's mountains all over, of course. And the water comes down from the mountain, and there's a stream. And where we live right now, with our Balinese complex, um, we have a stream, it's, it's like a brook, and you hear it all the time. It's very peaceful, very nice. I love the sound of it. That spring goes behind our house and then around our house and then onward towards the rice fields beyond and so forth. But in that stream, everything occurs. People will do number one and two. People will wash themselves and brush their teeth and, 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 and wash their hair and wash their clothing and their pots and pans, all in the same water. And then they look at us with amazement, how can Ross be 68 and Herman 76? Because they have no relatives at that age. The disease, the sickness, the pollution of that water that absorbs their bodies in so many different ways, but all the bacteria is causing many negative impacts on their life. And Aeneas, we worked on the project, it took me years, with the help of others. I'm not taking any praise, any claim. It's all God doing it. But I saw that. And I saw what it did to people, and I see it in Bali, right behind our house. But now here's the rub of it, okay? They've always done it that way. Yes, they have the texting phone and the iPad and all this. They have a car or a motorcycle, depending on the amount of money that they have, if there's any income. Most Balinese men do not work. It's the women who work. Another thing that's really upsetting, it's part of their culture. 
But they've always done it that way. So even though they have modern technology at their fingertips, yeah, they still use the brook to do everything in. May I be excused and give you one more example that was comical? I saw it in 83, and I've seen it since, and I see it now. Will you, ladies, excuse me, I have on my pants a zipper. You know what that's for? I use that zipper when I, in private, have to do number one. The Balinese, the Indonesian men, not all, not all, but many, every day you'll see evidence of men, young and old, women too, that's another story, they have to go to the bathroom, number one or number two. If it's number one, the whole pants comes down to their ankles in broad daylight, facing the beautiful moonshine of their rear end, they do what they have to do. So, those that I get to know, I ask, why are you doing that? You're a man. What is the zipper for? If no, use it. You know. I mean, aren't you modest or private? I don't want anybody to see my private parts. It's between God and me and my wife. They tell me, this is how my father and mother brought me up. I've always done it that way. I says, yeah, I did too. But I was two or three years old. I'm an adult now. And I know what the zipper is for. Why should I offend and be embarrassed? Well, you know, they do not connect. And that's what I'm trying to tell you here. But the culture, the audit, the way of thinking and living, the functioning, the coping, the tradition versus the modern world, the futile and self-defeating behavior that is so rampant and so evident. Number three, the transportation and traffic. You drive on the left side of the car, uh, the road, and the roads are all narrow. And even major highways have driveways coming in and all. And on these roads, you can see a dog looking left and right before he crosses the street. You can see chickens looking left and right before crossing the street. But people don't. They come in walking or with their bike or with their motorcycle or even with the car. Right in front of my car. And guess what I discovered? Ross was surprised. So was I. The urge to kill. I never knew. I'm a peace-loving man. You know, I don't think of murder. But there, at times, I, I feel like, I want to hit him. Ross says, no, that's not right. You're doing something in the spiritual realm. Honey, i got to get these feelings out. I feel like, I want to kill. It is so stupid. It is so self-defeating. It's so destructive. It is so self-centered. They'll sit on the road, on a highway, sitting down. They park their motorcycle in the lane of the road instead of where there is enough grass or whatever to park it there. No, they got to park it there. They sit and they smoke the circuit and they sit down and no brawl, they call it, chatting, chatting, chatting. And you blow the horn or kids come out of school, whatever grade and level, they walk the street, you blow the horn, you think they move. No, you have to go around. I'm finally getting used to it. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But I'm becoming more relaxed. In the beginning, I panicked. I had a heart attack after heart attack after heart attack. I go, oh, crazy. God, why did you send me here? Zip me out like Philip. Transportation, traffic, commitment, and trust. In many ways, it's not there. They will smile and say, yeah. But they don't do it. We had a contract and legally signed with lawyers and everything else. All the official... Stamps and stuff were there on the document. 
and we paid so much percent, and then we paid every state so much. Well, toward the end, it started the end of March, and it was supposed to be done the end of May, but June came along in July, and then some more payments were made, and the contractor took the money, a Christian, a fellow missionary, who I had worked with for over years, took the money and left. Thousands of dollars of ours, gone. When we were forced, he did not want to come back and finish and complete. We still don't have electricity in every part. We've had two electrical outings with a fire spark. You plug it in and there's fire, smoke. We still don't have plumbing the way it should be. The septic tank is still not where it should be. He left. We were forced to hire a new plumber, a new electrician, a new contractor. Again, paying for what we already paid all over again. It has almost emptied all of our savings. I thank many of you who have sponsored us. There was one gift that was a sizable gift from someone in this congregation that when we had to pay the, the car we needed, the second-hand car, 2008, Kijung, Toyota Kijung Innova, uh, from a friend. Uh, that just helped us pay that car. Thank God. You know, God spoke to somebody, you know, here, and that gift came through and the money and we were able to pay. But you know, we're financially strapped. But thank God that there are people like you and others who are supporting the ministry. Government bureaucracy corruption. It's so hard to get all the legal documents that they require from you. It's, it takes something that could be done in 10 minutes and a half an hour at the most. It takes weeks and months. And all the time they're looking for this. But now with the new president, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to give them any money under the table, and they're not supposed to ask, but they still do. It is all a reflection of the great spiritual bondage of the Satan's power, remember. Pride, now you and I are pride. They don't like to be told what to do. They don't like to be shown a better way. You have pride, I have pride. It seems to me they have a little bit more of it. But maybe I'm wrong. But that's what we're up against, okay? Bondage, spiritual bondage, pride, unbelief, obviously, and godlessness. I want to give you two scriptures to read later on at the dinner table. Tell the kids to listen. Yeah, Pa? Love that cap. I'm looking for one. Mine is all worn out. Ephesians chapter 2, the entire chapter. And you'll see a couple times where it says, but God. But God. Da-da-da-da. Okay. Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from His love, if you have any fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if you have any tenderness and compassion, Herman and Ross, and put your own name there, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. And we still argue sometimes with the people we deal with. Having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. That's hard. I don't think of myself being prideful that I'm better in my mind, but maybe in my relating many times. You know, they're stupid. You're crazy. That must communicate somehow. That's not humility, is it? So I've got a ways to go. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Lord, the Balinese are better than me. Than yourselves. 
each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your heart attitude, your mindset, your lifestyle should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And he goes on, reach Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 16a at least. We have a holy friend. Our holy friend is the triune God. And in John 14, 16, the Trinity come together. As they speak about the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father, Jesus, and the Spirit. The Trinity of God is with us and within us forever. How am Ross and Herman reflecting, representing that there? And we discover that many of these problems that I've listed for you, that have been... It's true, those are problems out there. But, look back at the text. If I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, there should be no problem. Huh? I'm dead, six feet under. Right? So why are there still problems? Why are there still conflicts? Why are there still anxiety? Panic attacks? Some of the things come at you so surprisingly, so fast... You want to, I want to, many times I say this, I want to crawl in a hole and just cry and cry and cry and cry. Get away from all of this. But this is where we're called to be. And I'm glad to be there. I want to be there. But I need him. I can't do it alone. Cannot do it alone. He's with me. He is within me. Forever. Emmanuel, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in that word, okay? Three guiding and encouraging principles of truth that also undergird Ross and me. And I'll just list them briefly. You can look them up yourself. The sovereignty of God, that God is sovereign. He's more powerful than the, sovereign, than the Hindu religion, than the Islam religion, than whatever man or this world can fabricate. All that hell can fabricate. I don't care where it comes from. He is sovereign alone. Okay, we see none can compare to him. None. That's why I sing the songs in my quiet time. Jesus, name above all names. See, you that, I don't know what that means to you, but to me that speaks volumes. Hindu has thousands of gods, and they have a trinity of God too, by the way. I bought the Quran again. I used, used to have one. I gave it away. I bought a new one. I'm reading it again. And I've got two or three books on the Hindu religion, because that's where we live. I want to know who I'm relating to, you know? And so I'm trying to find bridges where I can get, build trust and, and communicate the gospel. The sovereignty of God. Secondly, the presence of God, that Emmanuel. That helps me so much. That when I am faced and confronted with an issue that is too much or it is driving me crazy, I remember he's there with me. I'm not alone. Yes, Ross is here, but he's also here. And then the third principle, God is good. And he works all things together for good. That even though from our logical Western way of thinking, and they think very different. Now we know, those of us who are married, that the man's way of thinking and the woman's way of thinking is different. Thank God for marriage. Because we can learn from each other if we're humble enough, right? Because it is different. But it's like the Old Testament, the New Testament. 
The Old Testament is Hebrew, that's the Eastern way of thinking and coping. And the New Testament is in Greek, the original, which is the Western logical way. And the two are in one Bible because God somehow sought to reveal himself that way. And that's what we are encountering. Ross is Westernized enough. We haven't been here almost 30 years. And I'm certainly Westernized enough. I was born and raised here, right? I mean, you can see it. My skin tells you that I'm Western, right? And there we are in this eastern little island of Bali. You can circumfect that in one day. Four o'clock in the morning to ten at night, you can go to the whole thing. Even stop for a potty break and all that. That's where we're placed. That's where we want to be because that's where he called us to be. And that's where we minister. And that's where we need your prayers. And I want to challenge you. Young people, hey, older people in middle age, have you come to terms with the Great Commission? If not, you're living in disobedience, and disobedience before God is sin, S-I-N. And that I is still on the throne in your life. It needs to become a zero, and then it spells son. It is the Son of God, and He reigns and sits on the throne of your heart. Then you look at that great commission of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ and say, God, you want me to stay home and sponsor these missionaries, or do you want me also to go? You've got to have both. So I pray and ask that you think about it prayerfully. It's exciting, folks. You only have one life to live. Yes, if I would have learned how to play golf, maybe I'd be doing it. I'd be rather doing something else. I like to swim, I like to hike and all that. I like to read and write and paint and play music. Ah, but I want to be more than anything else until there is no breath coming out of this body to be in the center of the will of God and to live the good news, not just speak of it. I love to speak of it. You know that but to live it. So they can see, and the day will come to us. What makes you tick? We have 12 staff now working at the resort that we're part of. We have the Balinese complex. Little part. I have pictures, by the way, Chris. If you and I can meet this week, we can see if we can put something together for another time while we're still here. Um, but the resort goes on. They receive guests. It's like a hotel, okay? Anybody comes for whatever reason. But the owner says that if our ministry grows, the whole resort can be ours to use for ministry. We've had a group of 17 pastors. We've had a group of 50 come from different denominations to minister. Praise God. That's a God-given thing. They came there because of us, but not to that we were teaching, because we're not ready yet. We're still in the midst of renovation. We're living there, but it's not done. So be in prayer. God can use you. Psalm 92, verse 12 to 15, and there's many others, that even at old age, God can use you. Right here in Franklin, if that's where he wants you, or in Timbuktu, whatever that is, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your goodness and grace. For your love and faithfulness, personally, Lord, 55 years to walk and talk with you, it's only getting better. Even though my body and my mind and my eyesight and my hearing, they're all beginning to fail. My knees are giving out at times, Lord, and I don't have the energy I used to have. But God, your spirit lives in me. 
And it's given me the desire and the passion, the zest and the zeal to live for you until I can no longer live here but join you there where you are. And while you are here with me, O oh God, use us, use me, use Ross. Bind us together in purpose in mind and heart and unity. Make us powerful witnesses for you there in Bali. Lord, that all the people that you send us to minister to be in us to such a degree that we may make a difference in their lives for your namesake. Bless this congregation. This is our sending church. This is our home church. This is the family of God who we love so dearly and who we remember every day we pray for this body. And we thank you. Thank you that I may represent Ross and myself here for a few weeks. Bless this time, God. May all the purposes for which I came home be accomplished. And bless us in relating to one another. Even as we leave this place, continue, O God, as it is in heaven, may it be on earth that your name is hallowed, that your kingdom come, and that you will be done. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.